for me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt, or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. Why is the cross so important to our faith? That's the question we're asking today on Your Next Step. Great to have you with us. I'm Pastor Doug McCoy. Pastor Doyle Jackson, lead pastor of the church next door, is with us today as well. Yeah, I love that question. Why is the cross so important? Because it reminds us, number one, that God saw our need and he showed up to meet it. And the the cross also reminds us that Satan loses. I love that. You know, it's it's like the flag of victory. These are great truths. I'm so excited we're talking about this today. But another thing that's happening today, Pastor Doyle, you and I and a lot of folks at the church next door and a lot of our listeners, we have skipped breakfast today. We're skipping lunch. We are fasting. That's right. And and if you've already had breakfast, don't worry about it. Skip lunch. What we want you to do is to fast and pray on the first Monday of the month. You know, I was reading recently about the Second Continental Congress. They got together. They'd had trouble trying to figure out what they're going to do with this nation, and they called a fast. Mm -hmm. And they said the purpose of the fast was to humble ourselves before God. They were actually still trying to work it out with Great Britain to work out a peace so we didn't have to have war. And they saw the only solution was fasting and prayer. And, And I want us to lean into that as a church today. And, and just fast and pray and seek God's face. I think fasting is a solution. That's a great way to put it. It certainly brings you closer to God, and he says he's going to act. The cross also is a solution. I love That's what right. you said. God shows his love. Satan takes a, a, an L. He loses. That's what we're going to talk about today on Your Next Step. So here we go with great hope, the cross. In our culture, there's been a discussion for some time now around the idea of bullying, that it's inappropriate. And I'm not disagreeing with that, right? There's a brutality in the world that we don't like. And we say that it's wrong to bully people. Well, when you look at the cross, it's a testimony of that brokenness in our nature, that we would bully one another. I mean, to, to, to call what Jesus went through on the cross an event of humanity's bullying the God who stepped into the world to take care of them is probably the kindest term I could ever put to that, isn't it? I mean, we read the New Testament account, the four Gospels all agree that the whole community rallied together to say, crucify him. Talk about, I mean, where were the voices shouting, no, See, the cross is a testimony of the evilness of humanity. The reason the early church preached the cross is because everybody knew how evil the world was. And we all agreed. It's true. And that's why when we come to the cross, we look at it, we say, I need to repent. Because there's, there's a bully inside of me. And only the cross can kill that in me that would behave in such an evil way. And I look at the cross and I know he came for me. Now, this is the problem. The church has always faced this tension because the world has not liked our message of the cross. 
So I want to show you how much pushback the church has always get gotten on this issue because I need you to understand this as you embrace the cross. You need to understand there are those that are going to oppose you and I saying, nope, I'm going to wear this cross proudly because it represents my Savior Jesus and God's love for me and the way I'm going to live in the midst of this evil, broken, bullying world, okay? So, when we talk about why is the cross necessary, it seems so harsh. It's because we killed him. The harshness is a testimony of the evilness within humanity. It's, it's, just, it's just proof that we're broken. Now, when Paul writes to the church at Galatia, he's trying to help them through because people are struggling over the cross. And he tries to explain it to them, all right? excuse me, the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize. What's, what's, what's Paul saying? He's saying, listen, the goal was not for me to go get people wet. The goal was not for me to, to, to see how many people I can baptize so they can become a part of the fellowship. Is baptism good? Yes. Was Paul for baptism? Yes. But He's trying to say his number one objective, okay, is something else. It's to preach the cross. And that's what he says. Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with cleverness of speech. Now, you need to be careful because there are people that are going to try to, to, to somehow twist the cross into some sort of message of love, but they don't really believe in the cross. And that's what he's talking about. People that are trying to be clever, silver-tongued people, all right? He says, I don't have to be a great preacher. I just have to preach that Jesus was dead, buried, and rose again so that the cross of Christ would not be made of no effect. So if we, if we put flowery words, words around the cross and we somehow take away its effectiveness, no good. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, continually being transformed by the work of the cross. Because the being saved there means this. It's not just a one-time event. You say a prayer, but it's an ongoing. That's why I try to express to you how the cross in my life has carried me through so many things. It's carried me through marriage and, and fatherhood and being a pastor because it teaches me. The cross was for me to teach me a new way to live. It is the power of God. So the cross is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the understanding of those who have understanding, I will confound. Now, Paul here is quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting the Hebrew Bible. He's quoting an ancient saying that the things of God are going to go contrary to the natural way of this world, to the wisdom of humanity. All world religions, when you break them down and study them, are a list of things that you must do to hopefully, possibly make things better. But none of them give you a guarantee. I challenge you, study them all. 
I spent years studying world religions. And religion makes a list of the things that you must do. So they're telling you that human effort will solve the problem. The gospel says that that will never work. And so that's why when you look at it in terms of human wisdom, and that's what religion says, but what Jesus came for and what the cross represents is that God stepped into this world because we needed a relationship with Him. And in so stepping into this world, we murdered Him. And by Him being murdered by us and breaking the hold over death through His resurrection, you and I give li- get life. And see, that's the, that is the, the mystery and the craziness of the cross. And so if we try to preach a Christianity that says something, just something like this, if we'll all grab hands, work together, we can fix the problems of this world, you need to know that is not Christianity. The, 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 the core value of Christianity is that God so loved the world that He sent His Son to die for us, and if we will accept that we are broken and that we need to break our attachment to the human answer and accept the God answer, then we can be saved. But we'll have to be obedient to Him. And He gets to set the standard for what's right and wrong because of the cross. It's the way it works. Justice just seems foolish to some people. And that's what you will hear from, from... from people today, and, and you need to know, it's not been a new saying. It's, it's nothing new. People look at the cross and they say, well, I just don't know how that's fair. I don't know how it's fair that, that, that Jesus dying on a cross should, should mean that I get to, to go free. But yet, you're okay if someone else pays for your dinner. You know, we, we, we believe in it all the time. Why do you think the lottery exists? I mean, think about the gazillion ways we're looking for someone else to pay for us. But we don't want God to pay for our sins. In Romans chapter 3, 26, Paul says, He did it to demonstrate His righteousness, the righteousness of God at this present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So what, what Paul said and what the gospel says is that God... Jesus did this so that he would be just in punishing the sin, but he would also be the one who justifies us and gives us freedom. So he not only pays our account, he gives us new freedom. But you need to know it's nothing new to oppose the cross. It's nothing new to oppose God's solution, right? Remember the Garden of Eden? Very first chapters of God's testimony among us. He puts them in a beautiful place. He says, I would like for you to do this and this, but whatever you do, don't do this. Don't eat of this tree. And Satan comes and he says, did God really say? He questions God's character. He questions God's answer to the world that he's created and his relationship with us. Satan will always do that. And we buy into it. We buy into say, well, you mean I'm going to be smarter than everybody else if I bite into this? I'll have knowledge that, that makes me like a God? Well, I want, to, I want to have this kind of knowledge. It's called disobedience. 
Remember the story? It's Jesus. He's with the disciples. He's talking to them. He's teaching. And, and, and they start talking, and he hears them talking, and he hears that there's rumors about who he is. He says, well, tell me about this. And they say, well, some people think that you're Elijah. Come back to life. Some people think that you're John the Baptist, risen from the dead. And Jesus looks at his disciples. He says, well, who do you say that I am? See, this is the core question that you and I have to answer, isn't it? Who do you say Jesus is? Well, Peter, he raises his hand, I guess. I don't know. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, gold star Pete. You got it right. Good job, my friend. We have more resources for you at doylejackson.com. We will be right back with more Your Next Step. Pastor Doyle, we have a great free resource we want to share with our friends. It is a copy of your great message, Great Hope, The Cross. This is going to be a PDF digital download. If they go to doylejackson.com, give us their email, it'll be sent to them. What is the value of having that message on uh, PDF as well as hearing it through the radio? Well, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, number one, we learn things best when we get to see them, when we get to hear them, and somehow when we get to be kinetically involved with them, we get our hands involved. And and that's what we want our our friends to do, because you're partnering with us. You're listening, and, and we want to give this to you. And then I'm praying that you'll pray this prayer out loud. That's part of this lesson. Uh, we go through in this lesson the, the eight things that Christ provided on the cross. He provided forgiveness. He provided healing. He provided righteousness. I'm not going to give you all eight right now. Right. you got to go right. and get it, because if you begin to pray that aloud over your life, it'll transform the way you think about Jesus and the way you think about yourself, because it transforms us to confess that aloud. We're beginning to engage with what God is is doing when we start to, yep. to it's just like when you hear somebody quote a scripture and yep. you're like, well, I want to look it up. You're engaging even more. This is a chance to engage even more with the cross. So go to doylejackson.com, put in your email, you'll get this PDF. We believe it's going to bless your life. Let's continue with your next step. Then Jesus says, I will build my church and my church will not lose, man. We're going to prevail against the gates of hell. On this principle, Peter, this principle that I am the Messiah. And he says, in order for that to happen, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem. They're going to persecute me. I mean, they're going to spit on me. They're going to pluck out my beard the way it says in the prophet Isaiah. And they're going to brutalize me. And I'm going to die for you. And Peter goes, hold your horses. No way. I'll die first. I mean, he starts, he starts all this objection to Jesus going where? To the cross. You say, well, why are you telling me this? I'm telling you, Jesus' own disciples, the one who just got a gold star, is now objecting to the cross. Why? He goes against our human answer. He goes against our human understanding of how this has got to be worked out. No way. What does Jesus say to, to Peter? Jesus turned and said to Peter, 
Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. I mean, did, did Jesus believe that Peter was Satan? No. He's saying figuratively, Peter, the thoughts that you're having come into your mind and out of your mouth right now are like that snake in the garden. You're trying to convince me not to be obedient to God. You're trying to keep me from that. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now notice this. to, To ignore the cross, to avoid that, is to be just purely human. It's a human answer. It's not a divine answer. And that's the way Jesus addresses it with Peter. Fast forward. I don't know if it's a couple years, but I know this. Jesus is dead. He's risen from the dead. And he comes and meets with the disciples in the upper room. John chapter 20. He breathes on them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. Peace be with you. Then we keep reading and we find Jesus meets with the disciples on the Mount of Olives. And he said, hey, stay here. I want you guys to, to wait. I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit. You wait here. And, and, and he, Jesus leaves. He ascends. Then in chapter 2 of Acts, we read the day of Pentecost comes. That Holy Spirit's poured out. And Peter preaches his first sermon. His first sermon. What's the center of his sermon? The cross. In, in, in Acts 2, 23, this is what Peter says. He says, this man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. God deliberately knew that we would act like a bunch of evil bullies. All he had to do was present his son here. But that was God's solution. And we've always had to make a decision. Would we accept God or reject God? And the cross, the cross is the testimony that He came for me, knowing that we would be bad. And yet, what, we, what do we do? We try, to, we try to say no to it, you know? We, we, Satan has tried to convince us to avoid God's way. There's always been people who have been for the cross and people against the cross, Listen to this. This is, a, this is a quote from a recent theologian. It was 2010. But recently, I've been hearing more and more people claiming to be Christians with similar weird statements. Okay? Yet, the account... that Listen, when you read the, the Old Testament, it testified that one day a Messiah would come and He would suffer. Read, read Psalm 22. Read Isaiah 43. Just, just read through it. It, it. We knew that He was going to suffer for us. This is a quote from a Union Seminary professor, Dolores Williams. I don't think we need a theory of atonement at all. I don't think, I would like to underline that. I'm not sure they're thinking. I don't think we need folks hanging on crosses and blood dripping and weird stuff. What are they saying? They're saying that they are offended by the brutalness of what we remember happened to Jesus. 
Yet I would say that the same people are arguing against bullying in the world in which we live. They can't even, they won't even admit that there's a broken human problem within us. That we are sinful and angry and mean and terrible by nature. And we need some help to be free of that. They want to they reject Jesus in the cross and walk away from it. And I'm telling you, the only solution is for you to embrace the cross and recognize the evil that's tried to run our life. And we have to say, no, we will not be like that because of the cross of Jesus Christ and because He loved us and He died for us. And there's a power in believing in the cross that will help you overcome that. And you will still be able to live in the broken world in which we live. Until he returns, and when he does, he will deal with all of that evil. And see, that's the message of the cross. We are for the cross. We're for the cross. Jesus was for the cross. It's why he said, I willingly go. He set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. He knew what he was facing. Now, the Jews of the of the the Jews historically have rejected the cross. Because they say this, they say, it says in Deuteronomy, anyone hung on a tree is accursed, okay? And I could not worship a Messiah who hung on a tree. And Paul answered that in Galatians. He said, no, 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 you fail to understand that he hung on a tree in order to take the curse from you and I, that we might have the blessing of Abraham. It was to fulfill the law that, yes, it is true that there is a curse that comes on those that are crucified. There's a that are hung on a tree. But Jesus did that in order to put the justice on himself and not on us as humanity. That's his grace. That's his love. That's his kindness. The Gentile world, they just thought that you were a thief, that you were a rotten person, a scoundrel. You were against the throne. And they rejected the cross. So when the church walked in and said, we preach Christ crucified on the cross, they thought, you guys are crazy. You're crazy. And the world today is saying the same thing. They're saying you're crazy. How can you believe in something barbaric? Well, we don't believe in crucifying people today. Think about this. There were thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people crucified on crosses. But when you and I see a cross today, there's only one name that's associated with that. Somehow God, in His divine wisdom, understood that He could take something so brutal and make it a symbol of courage, of life, of victory for you and I. And that's become the case. You know, Jesus warned His disciples, He warned you and I to be very weary. In Matthew 24, 4, Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives. He's looking over Jerusalem. And, he, and they ask him, they say, well, what will be the sign of your second coming? And Jesus responds to them. This verse, he says, and Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one deceives you. He gives them some signs of the second coming, but he says, make sure that nobody deceives you. Now, the next verse after this, 20, 25, or, uh, number 5, it, he says in there, some are even to come claiming to be me, the Messiah. But his point is, don't be deceived. Don't be misled. Now, why is that important? Because you and I can be misled. 
Jesus intentionally says that there are some that are going to come to deceive us. I put some other scriptures in, in my, my notes. In Matthew seven fifteen, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that there are going to be people that are going to come among you and claim to be a sheep. In, in Matthew 10, 16, he said, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as wary as serpents and as innocent as doves. Paul, writing to the church in, in Acts, he says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, you say, Pastor, why are you telling me all this? Because I'm trying to help you understand that there will be people that will claim to be your brothers and sisters. People who claim that I'm like you. And yet, they're going to deny the cross. You have been listening to Great Hope, the cross here on Your Next Step. Pastor Doyle, they can not just listen to this message. They can also read this message if they'd like. Yeah, if they would like to, we, we have a great resource for them. It's, it's called Great Hope, the cross. And if they just go to my website, uh, doylejackson.com, it's right there. And if you'll give us your email, uh, you'll help us because we can make you part of the ministry. We want you to be a part of the Church Next Door family. And so we'll send you ministry updates, but you can get this free resource right there. Yeah, and that's why we want the email, not to uh, spam you or sell you. Oh, no. We want to have a connection with you. We have made connections with uh, lots of uh, people yeah. who've listened to the radio. We've become friends. We would love you to be our friend as well. So go to doylejackson.com. Give us your email address. You can download Great Hope the Cross. You'll see these eight phrases that Jesus was punished, that we might be forgiven, and uh, all the other promises God has fulfilled in the cross. Really hope you will uh, go to doyljackson.com and download that. Yeah. The other thing is that, you know, every one of our, our programs is also a podcast and a radio program. So if you listen on the radio, you miss something, you can go to any podcast platform and look up your next step. And what's great about it is um, if you subscribe, it helps us. We've had over 30,000 downloads of Your Next Step, and we want you to be a part of that if you can. Or even share with other people. One yep. good thing that I do in my ministry is someone comes and says, here's the issue. I say, well, this video's got a solution, and I can That's just right. hand that. You can hand these these podcasts, these episodes off to other people as well. So thank you once again for being here for Great Hope the Cross. Please go to doylejackson.com and find the other resources we have there for you, and then come back next time because we're going to be back with more Your Next Step. Your Next Step with Doyle Jackson is a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. Your prayers for us are always valued, but to help keep us on the air, visit doylejackson.com and click Give. That's doylejackson.com. You can also send a check to The Church Next Door. Our address is 5755 Fetter Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Again, that's 5755 F-E-D-E-R Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Please put radio in the memo line. Lastly, if you need prayer or have questions, text us at 888-644-4034. That's 888-644-4034. I'm Pastor Doug, and Pastor Doyle and I would love to see you next time for your next step.